Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Some people say they hear me. I hope the rest of the people can also go ahead, okay, and uh, praise you, Lord, and, ha- and hear me. I apologize. They have outdated uh, the the block talk have outdated the west side, and, and it's not clear the way they went. It is really not clear. They have removed the option of doing it through Skype, and it is just so different now. Uh, they, they supposedly the sound sound better now, but um, the connection it is not clear. The control room is not clear. It, it is just a mess. Hallelujah! And I apologize for that. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll figure out what they what they have done as we go on. But the control they, they're using now is it looks so cheap and so uh, it just, it's, it's not the same we used to use. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Amen. I want to start this week uh, a Bible study, and I don't want to rush into it because uh, the message in this Bible study, um, it has to do with curses and blessing. And so uh, uh, biblically, we're going to go into the Word of God. Uh, we are going to see, uh, we're going to learn through the Word or by the Word into what the Lord also has shown us and revealed to, to my life about curses. I know that in the past I have shared a, a teaching about curses and blessing, and it's been a blessing. The teaching has been a blessing because life has been, has been set free by the Lord. Amen. And so I, I, I usually share what the, Lord, uh, what the Lord reveals to me. You know, I... I I do have other people sending me the dreams, and I do apologize because some people want me to bring the dream uh, on the air, but I'm not going to do that tonight. I may do it tomorrow. I have a few dreams uh, sent to me, and I'm going to go ahead and, and read them tomorrow night. It has to do with the rapture. It has to do with judgment. They are they are really powerful words, brothers and sisters. But I feel that from the Lord that, that what I need to share about about the, the curses and blessing is very important too, because people are under attack right now and they don't realize how or why. How are they being attacked or why and how to uh, 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 come against this attack of the enemy in their life and their family and their relationship spiritually, in so many ways, financial, uh, mentally, oh, man. Uh, it's just, just be people being attacked, and they don't even know how to come against these attacks. And this is in all way how Satan had done this for thousands of years. And, and the, word, the Word teaches us, but a lot of people cannot see it in the Word. So we're going to go into the Word, and we are going to share this, because after this teaching, after these three, three days teaching, I call it, 
Uh, some people will know how to come against this attack, and, and they'll have victory over it from the Lord. You, we are more than victorious in Jesus Christ. All right? And praise your Lord. The Lord will always reveal us. There's nothing hidden that will not be brought to light. It's in the Word of God. And so the Lord is going to bring it to light to, to, to help us understand, to teach us, to help us overcome, because we are more than overcomer. Brothers and sisters, and also the word teaches us that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Amen. And so, and if we're going to start in Ephesians, and we, we need to understand something here in Ephesians six, uh, uh, twelve. Ephesians six twelve says, "For we wrestle not against flesh or blood." Okay, we have a comma there. We're going to slow down. We 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 wrestle not against flesh or blood. Amen. Uh, it, we're not wrestling against human, okay? Uh, uh, most of the time we're not. We wrestle not, okay? And even when we sin, and I want to explain this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against human, okay? But a lot of times it seems like we do. But it's still not human. They can be, be used by Satan, by demons, brothers and sisters. And, and if you don't have the sermon, you won't realize that. You will not understand that. And so that's why God is explaining to us here in his word that our wrestling, are, and, and I look, I even looked up the word wrestling, wrestle, okay? And, and the word wrestle is to take, in part, take part in a fight. We've we seen WrestleMania, uh, which is the, the WWF wrestling. You see how they wrestle? Well, that gives you an idea. But those are human against human. The Bible tells us that that's not what's going on in the body of Christ. That's not what's going on to, to humanity. The real wrestle that humanity is having is against demons. Watch this. Watch what Ephesians says. The real, the, real, the real wrestle that we're having, who is against? For we wrestle not against flesh or blood, but against principality. Principality. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, join this together with revelation and dreams and revelation of the Lord and visions of the Lord. In, in, in one occasion, the Lord took me to the heavenly places. It's a planet. Okay? Uh, it's, a, it's a planet. It's in the air. Principality of the air. Yes, they're in the air. They fly back and forward in the air. I see this principality. I also met the head of this principality, the leaders. Uh, we know that the leaders of darkness is Satan. We also know that, according to the word of God, yes. But they, he has also right hand, left hand. He has demon, he commands. He got principality who he has in charge of thousands and millions and billions who he commands. And so the one that is in charge of the principality is called Balak. Balak, okay, King Balak. He is evil, he is bad. I met him. Like twice, and it was very important for the Lord to meet um, this principality, this principality alone. As I also see all the other thousands upon thousands of other that are under Him, okay? And He in the heavenly places, He owns a castle, a castle, very large castle. It looks like a large mansion, but divided in, in, with several uh, walkway to hallway, and He is true place, brothers and sisters. Amen. So, uh, this principality, I saw this in the heavenly places when Jesus took me. They were being sent to the earth 
to attack the church, to attack Christians. I heard when the order was being given to them, they said, go to the earth and attack the bride, attack the Christian, come against them. Shalom there, Brother Miguel. And so, the Lord wanted me to hear, the Lord wanted me to see, so I can come and explain this, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Because there is so much behind. You think there's evil in the government. There's much evil behind them. Okay? So we rest on our, again, flesh or blood. Amen? And again, we looked up the word rest or take part in a fight. As, either as a sport or in, or in earnest. Uh, in um, one's opponent trying to throw one or force them to the ground. So in end of wrestling, the purpose is for you to knock down or bring down your enemy or hold, or hold your enemy against the floor, okay? That's the purpose of the wrestling. Why would the deep principality want to hold you against the floor? Hold you uh, or they use very different matter, to hold someone against the floor, either putting uh, uh, the hand against the neck or the shoulder, the different different way to bring someone down. But in the spiritual realm, they also use different methods to bring people down, bring Christians down, especially if a Christian don't pray. If a Christian don't have a prayer life, a constant prayer life where the person is repenting of their sin. Okay, becoming under the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the person can be brought down by demon easy. We're easy. Okay, and it's not that the Lord is not protecting, protecting us or watching over us. I don't want you to misunderstand this Bible study that we're going to begin tonight. The Lord is always for us. Okay, He's for us. Amen. And he will fight for us. But if you're not a, 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 if you don't have a prayer life, a constant seeking the Lord, repenting, okay, we, we rest or not again, flesh and blood. So understand what is going on in the spiritual realm, which a lot of Christians ignore or have very little knowledge of it. And that's not good. That's not good. Because that's why we have the Bible and we have to study the, the Bible. So we rest or not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And we see that, uh, the the um, the word principality there with an X, with a, uh, there are many, many, just as I saw, against powers, okay? Now, when the Bible gives us against powers, uh, I seen this from heaven. One time I was a lot of looked down to earth, and I seen these powers. Some people can call them forces, but they are powers, the Bible says, that moves on the earth. They have no form. They have no face. They are just powers. That, that travels around the earth doing evil, dark power, brothers and sisters. I seen this, and I was like, wow. But in the last day, these power, their power have increased. Okay? Some way, somehow, as humanity continues to sin, as humanity continues to do evil, because the one thing that people say, uh, people say good and evil. Or good and bad, I'm sorry. But it should be good and evil. The Bible tells us that we will know good and evil. Okay? People say that. It's evil. Bad word? No. Evil word. 
it all comes from the spiritual realm first into our physical realm, and it manifests itself through people's mouth, through people's actions, through people's behavior, through people's disobedience, wicked acts, homosexuality, the killing of those innocent babies, abortion. All these behaviors that are being manifested, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, all these behaviors that are manifesting in these last days come from the spiritual realm first. And they're being manifest because they are finding open door. Open door. Sin. Sins are open door. The action, the evil action of human beings. Open door. And so they use that. Praise you, God. Because to Adam was given the power to take care of the garden. Okay? To protect the garden. Adam has the responsibility to take care of the garden. You have the responsibility before God to take care of your own life. Okay? To take care of your own life. Thank you, Lord. And so you need to understand that you are responsible for your action. That's why I tell people, if we are explaining something that the Lord has given for me to give to you, and you're distracting me with something else, it is not good. Because I'm bringing you a word, and it's going to be a blessing. Thank you, Lord. And so I tell you, we are responsible. And God the Father holds us responsible for our action. And when we go ahead voluntarily, go ahead and commit sin, do our evil action, there will be punishment for that. There will be punishment for that. So the more we learn to obey God, to keep His commandment, the best we are with God, brothers and sisters. Because we're seeking obedience. We're seeking to obey Him. We're seeking to keep His commandment. And, but if we are breaking them, and we're saying, well, I don't know this, well, I didn't know this, everyone having His Word in their, in their home, in their house, that they can put on their hand and read. So it's not, a, it's not an excuse. If you say to the judge, I didn't know this law that I, that you accused that I'm being accused of being uh, breaking. The the judge will say to you, ignorant is not an excuse. The judge would just say that, and that's why people are surprised in court when they are being told that because everyone have the opportunity to learn. Everyone have the opportunity to learn, and so God's word is free in a lot of places. People can send you a Bible for free. Your ministry are sending Bible for free, brothers and sisters. And so being, God holds humanity responsible. God holds us responsible for our action, brothers and sisters. Amen. So we're going to dig into the Word the three days, back and forward, Amen. Explaining the word carefully without running. Amen. Because we want to get the message that God has given us clear that will be a great blessing to our life. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. I'm also babysitting, so I may have to play some music and, and, and deal with my son. My wife is not here. Praise you, Lord. So, uh, brothers and sisters, thank you, Lord. I'm going to have to take a break now and be back. Amen.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Help me to finish this Bible study, Lord. Help me to begin it and continue with it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we are in Ephesians 6.12. And again, so before we wrestle not against principality, I want to make sure I'm being heard uh, fine on the air. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So if you can hear me, just give me a one. Praise you, Lord, before I continue. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sister. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principality, uh, against powers, against the ruler of the darkness. Those are also rulers of the darkness, brothers and sisters. Uh, the Bible, what God is doing, brothers and sisters, giving us details of what is going on, okay, in the throne of Satan, around the throne of Satan. You hear that Satan is not even even mentioned there. You can say, well, yeah, Satan, but it's not even even mentioned the name of Satan there, Satan or Apollyon. It's not even even Apollyon is a demon, Satan is a demon. And then comes all these that are still doing all the evil against the bride, against the world, not just the world, the, the bride, but everyone else. Uh, people being attacked one way or another. Amen. Against the powers, against the ruler of darkness of this world. Now, the ruler of darkness of this world, that has to do with government. Okay, because it's being a specific, it's, it's telling you and I, the rulers, you know, the rulers start from president down. Amen, by president, house speakers, all those secretary of state, rulers, they have to do with them. Their job is specifically have to do with them. Amen. Against the ruler of darkness of this world. Against a spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. High places can be applied spiritual high places and literal, uh, literally high places. Places down here, places of government. Amen. Specifically. Uh, and, and if I go into details, where are they in, in, in the branch of government, a government? You will be stunned. I mean, I shared some things a couple of years ago that had people shaking. It was it was too strong, you know. And I should have asked the Lord before I went and shared those things because it was revelation the Lord was giving me, and I just thought I could just come out with it, not really thinking how strong it was the information. And I haven't, uh, uh, I haven't uh, spoken about this anymore because there's a lot of immaturity in the church, but there's a lack of knowledge. So a lot of lot, lots of lack of knowledge in the, in the, from a lot of people. So I'm being careful. I'm I'm got to check with the Lord how much I can share. You know, I basically I usually stay with the basic on the air. The deeper stuff I share with people that are more mature, 
that were able to handle the information. But there's so much, so much stuff the Lord has revealed to me in regard to the government and what is being run by the devil. That if you knew, you'll be stunned. A lot of people will be like, "What? He's running that. He's doing that." And it is so evil, you won't believe how much it is. But it's all happening, and it's in the Word of God. The rulers of darkness of this world, this world, not the world to come over the past world, this world, Paul says, this world, the Bible says. So understand what is going on in the spiritual realm, brothers and sisters. It is affecting everything. That's why we need to be under the blood. That's why, brothers and sisters, that's why God is telling us to put on the armor, okay? That's why, that's why, because if you don't know what is happening, if you, have no, if you don't have the understanding of what is going on in the spiritual realm, you're always going to be attacked, and you're not going to understand why or how, what am I doing wrong? A lot of people are beating up themselves, Amen. Now, when we talk about putting the armor, a lot of people don't even know how. How do you put on the armor, they say? And I have to, it's, that alone has to be explained because a lot of people don't, uh, they read Ephesians, we go back there, Ephesians, <clears throat> thank you, Lord. 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be standing against the, 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 the wiles of the devil. What armor? Bible tells you what armor. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know. And so we're going to live the armor, by the word, later on, by the last day. Okay? We're going to live the armor because you need to understand first what is going on. A doctor, to handle your problem, you, you're complaining that you have a pain in your stomach to your doctor. Okay, he needs to he needs to take X-ray. He needs to do a lot of things before he can handle what's going on with you. And so, a lot of people are are dealing with things they don't know, they don't understand, and so they don't know what they're doing. They just they think they're doing. Oh, I'm putting on the armor, but they don't know that they are, the armor. God gives you specific armor for a specific attack. They don't know that. They don't know that. And so the enemy go around their lack of knowledge and attack them. And so that's why it has to be explained by the word, step by step, so you can put on the armor, but you need to know how, what armor, what the Bible say about the armor. Let's study it deeper. Let it, let's get a, a clear understanding of what the armor is. Because a lot of people don't know what the armor is. They hear armor. What armor? What, arm, what armor he's referring to? They don't know. So that's why we're going to go into the Word, and we're going to point to the armor. Okay? Point to the armor. Praise to God that you have it every day. And you won't believe how protected you'll be against the evil wiles of the enemy. Or any attack of the enemy, you're protected. Because a lot of people say, well, I put on the armor this morning. How come I got attacked? And they're going through all these attacks. And they don't know how to handle that. And the Bible teaches you how to handle that. 
but then you don't know the armor, or you don't know how to put them on. So we're going to go into all of that. Amen. We'll leave it for the last day. But first, let's understand, brothers and sisters, how they are attacking us. Okay? Because these 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 uh, these demons, go back to the word here. Hallelujah. These rulers of doctrine of this world come against against your your credit, your financial situation. Isn't it funny that when you have when you have little money is when the government wants more from you. The people that have a lot of money don't have problem with the government. It's the people that have little money that have problem with the government. He says, he's in all government branches attacking Christian and people overall through so many different ways that they don't know how to they don't know how to uh, have the army against those attacks. The Bible teaches us how, but they don't know how. Amen. And so the enemy uses those branches of government, like the RRS, okay, to attack people that way, but because they don't know, they don't know how to protect themselves from that, which the Lord teaches us, and the Lord can protect us from that. The the RS keeps coming against them. You want you want to? I'll give you one simple step. When the RS comes against you, send the Lord against them, and watch what happens. But, but it's not about the armor today. We will talk about it more in detail, and you're going to see what happens when they come against you, and you send the Lord against them, or you pound the arm against them. You see what happens? They'll stop immediately. They'll even apologize to you. Praise the Lord. And then you understand that it's happening in the physical, but because you pray in the spiritual, now they're apologizing to you. Now you understand that it's first in the spiritual that it happens before it becomes in the spiritual. Before they can come against you in the physical, the order comes from the spiritual. But if you don't know that, they'll keep coming against you and you keep seeing it as a physical problem, but you haven't you haven't done anything about it. Thank you, Lord. And we're gonna take all this and you're gonna see. You're gonna have victory over all these things, and you're gonna say, like, wow, I didn't even know. I mean, when the Lord helped me with this stuff, I was shocked. I had the I had the RS after me for years and I was paying them. I mean I was in payment plan. I was paying everything I owed them. And at one time after I paid them, they still came against me. And I said, what is going on with these people? I'm, I'm, I'm in a payment plan. I'm paying faithfully there. And this still coming against me. But it was the devil sending them against me. And when the Lord let me know, and I went to the Lord about this, and he taught me, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, it stopped. Immediately it stopped. You see, because the devil will come against you. But when you don't know it's a devil, you think it's men, you think you're wrestling against flesh and blood. Huh. Are you understand now? Are you understanding what Ephesians 6 says? You wrestle not against flesh and blood. I kept blaming men. I kept blaming men. Thank you, Lord. I kept blaming men. And I did not understand until the Lord 
help me understand, because he always has to help us, brothers and sisters. He always has. That it was it was not man. It was the devil himself coming through me, coming against me. And when the Lord helped me understand that, huh, the Lord put a stop to that. Amen. And until you don't, a lot of people don't, they still arguing with people. They're still fighting with people. They're still calling them and insulting them on the phone, calling them all kinds of things. They're still wrestling with flesh and blood. But you are not. You see, you are not. You are not wrestling against flesh and blood. You think you are because you're talking to people. That's the way I used to think until the Lord opened my eyes. Until the Lord opened my eyes, and that's when I understood. I said, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Praise your God. Let's go to number 22 now. Let's go to number 22. Book of number, chapter 22. Praise the Lord. We have something going on here that is going to help us understand this Bible study. Some things are going to be deeper than deep, but it's going to help you understand even more. And it will be such a blessing. I know it will be because it's been to my own life. Amen. Number 22, one says, The children of Israel went forward and pitched camp in the plain of Moab, on the side of the Jordan and, and by Jericho. And Balak, the, same, the, the son of Sippar. Balak, the son of Sippar. You see that we read sometimes. But we don't, we don't really study. We don't really study. The Bible is telling us here uh, who was Balak and where did he come from. Well, Balak, uh, Balak as, you, as we read, listen careful now. Balak the son of Sipor saw all the Israel had done unto the Amorite. Okay? Now, the son of Sippor. Who was Sippor? Who was this man, if we can call it a man, Sippor? Well, I went to, to study the history of Sippor because Sippor was the, 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 the son, the son of, of Balak. I'm sorry, the father of Balak. Balak was a king. Okay? He was a king of Moab. And so... Uh, Balak was a son of Sippor. Now, I looked up who Sippor was. He, I, this is the information about, about, I found about Sippor. Uh, 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 it tells you that Balak was the former king of Moab, yes. And then Sippor, in the, in the, in the, in the dictionary, gives, the dictionary gives you three meanings who Sippor was. Uh, Sippor comes from a little bird. We know that men are not a are not born a bird. We know that. I want you to pay close attention to what God is teaching us because it is incredible. I was shocked, like, oh wow, the Lord is incredible. Okay, we know that men are not born from bird. We're clear. We're clear about that. Amen. Men are not born from 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 bird. Uh, another word uh, referring to support the meaning of his name swallow, swallow. Okay, uh, that word can only be, can be related to hell, the swallow people. That word swallow is only related to hell. See, bird, it's, 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 it's to the air, a bird of the air, something that fly, principality of the air. Okay, 
swallow hell related to hell. Now the other the other meaning of, of the name of Sipor, the Father Dalek, that I also found that I was like, oh wow, that was incredible. It is incredible. It is incredible, incredible the things you learn when you study the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Desert. The other word for support is desert. It's what I found out that the name of support means. So this ballad says, was the son of hell, came from hell. He came from hell. He came from the desert. Okay, like a bird. Okay, men are not born are not born from birth. So this ballot, the word of God is telling us he was the son of the devil. He was like the son. He was like someone we know in a White House in Pennsylvania, sixteen hundred. That's where he came from, from the devil. Ballot came from the devil. Okay, but somehow this ballot was in the flesh. At this time, he was in a body of human body. Okay, let me keep reading now. Thank you, Lord. A more was so afraid of the people because they were many. A more was distressed because of the children of Israel. A more said unto the other of the million, Now shall this company uh, lick up all that are around about us and us lick it off the grass of the field. In Balak, the son, the son Asipor, I, 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 again, I would say the son of the devil, because that's the understanding we, I got from the name Asipor. He was the son of the devil, Barack Obama. <laughs> okay, he was the son of the, the son of the devil, Barack the son of Asipor, who was king of the of the Moabite at that time, and sent a message there before unto Balin, the son of Beor and Apedor. Now, why? If God wants us to know who was who and whose father was whose father, because Beor and Peor were serving of God. So, Balin came from the son of God, but Balak came from the devil himself. It's what God is saying to us. You need to want to know who you, whose, father, whose father is your father. And if you say your father is God, you must act as the son of God. You are a blessing or a blesser. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is come a people out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Now, only a demon will say this, okay? Only a demon will refer to Israel or God or the devil can say this, okay? Because they know, they can see the spiritual realm and they can see the effect Israel has in this earth. The presence of Israel on earth has an effect. Rabbi knows this. Rabbi can talk about it for hours. The presence of Israel, the presence of Jacob has an effect on the earth. This is why the Middle East is shaking by the presence of the Jewish people. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. 
the Middle East is being shaken right now by the presence of Israel. Because Israel, hallelujah, Jacob is the son of God. It's the son of God. Jacob is the son of God. He calls him my son. He said to the prophet Isaiah, Jacob. Okay, and the Son of God has power, has presence of God in the life. And so the earth, that's why he called Jesus, called Jerusalem, my city. Because his presence is there and is causing an upright in the Middle East. The presence of Israel, brothers and sisters. It's causing an upright. And you're, I'm going to show you this. As we go along, as we read number 23 and number 24, you're going to see prophetic. You're going to see the future and the past. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Verse 6. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me these people, for they are too mighty for me. Look at the complaint of the devil against Israel. Look, look at the complaint. Look at the complaint. In other words, look at the complaint of Satan against the bride of Christ. Because you need to understand it's happening in the spiritual realm. Look at the complaint of the devil against you. You are too mighty for him. You are too mighty for him. Because you got the Ruach HaKadosh of God. You got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You are too mighty for him. Are you listening? Can you receive the word? Thank you, Lord. You are too mighty for him. And that is a problem for the devil. You are a problem to the devil. Praise the Lord. Come now before I pray thee, curse me these people, for they are too mighty for me. Here, here what Satan is saying, you are too mighty for him. So he's looking for a loophole into your life. He's looking for a way to attack you. That's what the devil is trying to do to your life. Because you are too mighty for him. Thank you, Lord. That's why the Bible teaches that greater is he that is in us than him that is in the world. You are too mighty for him. That's what the word is teaching you. You are too mighty for the devil. But in order for the devil to attack you, he has to find a way. Or he has to find someone. Are you listening? He has to find someone. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Perhaps I should prevail. Perhaps, perhaps. Or maybe is another word we use for perhaps. I should prevail that we may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Why is the devil coming against the Jewish people today? Hello, someone, that he may drive them out of the land. Huh. You see the plan of the devil from the beginning? Do you see the plan of the devil? Read it. It's in the Word of God. The Word of God teaches you the plan of the devil against your own life, against the Jewish people, against the church. The devil wants to move you from where God told you to stay or where God has sent you to. He wants to move you from where God wants you to be. Because if the devil can move you, if you can move, if you move from where God wants you to be because the devil's coming against you, you may get yourself in disobedience. Huh? 
You may get yourself in disobedience, and that's what the devil wants. For you to get yourself in disobedience. Because in disobedience, my brother and my sister, there's no guarantee. Ah. Ah. The Bible says the hand of God comes over the disobedience of the man or the bride of God come over the disobedience. Praise the Lord. So you be careful with your walk. You be very careful. Praise the Lord. For I know that he whom thou blessest is blessed. And he whom thou curses is cursed. That is why the word of God teaches us not to curse, but to bless. Okay? A lot of Christians don't know this. A lot of Christians don't know this. But this is why the word of God teaches us to bless and not to curse. Okay? Because your word that comes out of your mouth, okay, they are life and death. Can you receive that? Well, they have to look it up and show you. You need to look it up. The word that comes out of your mouth is life and death. And so if you speak ne negative things, negative things will happen, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Ne negative things will happen if you speak them. That's why you cannot speak. Hallelujah. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it to eat the fruit thereof. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and they, they, huh, they that love it to eat the fruit thereof. Oh, my Lord. It is through love. You got to walk in love. Walk in love. But be careful with what you say. Because life, dead and life are in the power of the tongue. A lot of people don't realize that. You keep speaking negative for man. You keep cursing people. You keep coming against people with your words. You don't understand the harm you're doing to them. You are hurting people with your words. And you're hurting them even more than what you think. You need to be careful what you say. Just because God gives you the opportunity to say something doesn't mean you're going to take the advantage to say whatever you feel like it. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Tell the Lord to speak to you, through you. That's what I say to the Lord. Lord, you speak through me. You need to have the Lord speak through you. Because I tell you this, I said to the Lord, hold my tongue, Lord, so I will not sin against you like David used to pray. I'm telling you, we let loose his tongue, and we're going to get ourselves in so much trouble that we, we are, will not be willing to handle it. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful what we say. We need to be very careful. We need to be very careful, brothers and sisters, because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Thank you, Lord. It is a flaming fire. Amen, says James. Praise you, Lord. There's more, to say. There's more to say about it. Amen. But see, I don't want to focus on one part of the message, because if I do, I can spend hours into that. And then, praise you, Lord, but there's more to say about it. Yes, there is. Praise you, God. Verse 7. And the elders are Moab, and the elders are Miriam, departed with the reward of divination in their hand. Hmm. And they came unto Balaam and spoke unto him the word of Balak. Now, what did they come with in their hand? 
the reward of divination. You know that when this divination, that I, I had the word uh, divination devil. They came with the word of the devil. The word of the the word of the devil they came with in their hand. A lot of people don't know that when they go to those people uh, uh, that they're seeking to, to reveal them these 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 um, divination. Uh, here's here's the meaning of divination: the practice of seeking knowledge of the future of the unknown by supernatural means. It tells you by demons. The meaning of divination is seeking knowledge from demons. <laughs> Even the word confirmed that he was a demon. They came with the knowledge of divination in their hand. They came from the knowledge of demon in their hand. Okay? And that's how they're going to come against you, the bride of Christ. You be careful. When people go to psychic and they receive a word about you. <laughs> you rebuke that in Jesus' name. Don't receive that word. Don't hear the word. An email. Don't read the email. A voicemail. Don't hear the voicemail. Reject that in Jesus' name. It's like garbage from the pit of hell. And it's going to do harm to your life if you receive that. Don't receive that garbage. You're not a garbage dumb. Don't receive that. Don't receive it. Verse 8. And he said unto them, Look here this night. And I will bring you, uh, you, you work back as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab stay revealing. Listen, listen careful. When you know someone is not of God, and God already warned you, you, you don't need to, to share with that person anything. You don't need to spend time with that person at all. You can't just reject being with that person, I mean, I have someone come over to my life, and the person started giving me these messages, and I went to the Lord. This happened to me last month. I went to the Lord about it, and the Lord Jesus said to me, I did not send that person to your life, and I did, I did not speak to her, neither. Huh. When he said that to me, brothers and sisters, I acted right away. I immediately... They want to hear what she had to say. Anything else, you don't have to. Once the Lord speaks to you that he did not send that message to you or that person to you, you don't have to hear it. You can rebuke it in Jesus' name, and that's it. That's it. I am telling you, the Lord spoke to me, the Father spoke to me, okay, and I immediately knew it was not of God when the Lord says, I did not send that person to you. That's not the devil. I said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's why not everyone that say, I have a word for you, is of God. You need to check with the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Check with the Holy Spirit. Check with the Lord, I am telling you. This is why we need to walk in relationship, brothers and sisters. This is why. Because if you don't walk in relationship, you're not going to know when it's the Lord or the devil talking to you. You need to have the sermon. The sermon, you need to grow in your discernment. A lot of people don't even know that. And it's in the Word of God, too. I have shared this before. Okay? Paul, Paul says to the churches how, how they exceedingly have grown. 
how they see they have grown. A lot of people don't know they need to grow. You need to grow in your gifts. God gives you a gift. You need to grow in it. It's in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God. I have shared this before, brothers and sisters. You need to grow in your gifts. Thank you, Lord. You may have the gift of the sermon. You probably you've been praying, fasting for it. But if you haven't, if you have, if you you have had no discernment, you or you believe you have no discernment, go into fasting and prayer and ask the Lord for the gift of the sermon. The Lord may let you know through a dream or a vision. You can ask the Lord. See, this is the good thing about the Lord. You can ask Him for a dream or a vision. He'll give it to you. But learn to wait on the Lord. It's not going to happen tomorrow at 5 o'clock. So don't plan it this way. Because a lot of people say, it has to happen by tomorrow by 5 o'clock. Nonsense. Nonsense. The Lord don't work in your timing. You are, you are in the timing of God when you go to God. You learn to wait on God on the Lord. The Bible teaches you in Proverbs to wait patiently on the Lord. All over the Bible, Psalms, to wait patiently on the Lord. David said he waited patiently on the Lord. We need to learn to patiently wait on the Lord, brothers and sisters. So don't time God. Don't time God, because a lot of people do that, and that's nonsense. That's nonsense. I have someone that's the past few days comes to me this way, and I immediately knew it was nonsense. I, tell, I said to her, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Thank you, Lord. You know that if you pray, if you pray, and you say, Lord, give Brother Elvia a word for me, and you pray to the Lord, and you, and you patiently wait on the Lord, okay, I tell you, the Lord can give me that word for you. And it's beautiful because I may not know what it is. And when the Lord does speak to me and I give you the word, it's such a blessing because I didn't know. I don't know what you're asking the Lord, but when he does, it happens to us here. Some people had asked the Lord, and, and the Lord had given me the word. I had given it to them. But that's when you patiently wait on the Lord. The Lord does us. I have told people, hey, the Lord is telling me to give you this word. And I have given them the word. But see, you don't come to me. You go to the Lord. You see, people don't do it the other way around. Uh-uh. You go to the Lord. You go to the Lord. The Lord knows. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. So, divination of the devil. Verse 9. And God came unto Valen and said, What men are these with thee? Huh. You see, the God knows everything. God knows everything. Brothers and sisters, God knows everything that is happening. But you see how he comes to Valen and says, What means are thee with thee? In other words, why are you with these evil men? Is what God is saying. Why, Valen? My, why are you my servant? I mean, it's like you go into the cycle. Why are you with them? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why are you talking to the psychic? Why are you among these people? Or why have you made them your friends? Because some people have do that. Oh, we got to love everyone. Huh? 
There are some people the Lord don't want in your life. And you need to know who. The Lord will tell you that. Thank you, Lord. So the Lord says to him, Why, what men are these with thee? He, he is specifically referring to these men that had asked him before in the, in the chapter before to stay there with him. Okay? Well, in other words, these are evil men. That's what God is saying in his, in his question. He's giving Balin the answer. These are evil men, Balin. Why are you with them? Why? Some people say, some Christians say, no, it's okay for me to be with the, you know, with these people because, you know, they don't contaminate me. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Huh. The only reason why Jesus was among the poor, the prostitute, and then was to share the gospel. But when the time came for him to separate himself from God, he left. He even left a disciple behind. And some people said, that wasn't nice. It, it, he was submitted to the Father. He was being led by the Holy Spirit. So he knew, he knew once what he had, he needed to move, he left. He didn't need to explain to number and more. I got to go, you know, guys, I see you tomorrow, you know, at the same time. Or get up early so we can pray and do some prayer together. No, no Jesus left. He just left. He didn't even say goodbye. Some people say, what kind of education is this? I mean, what kind of behavior is this? He didn't even say goodbye. No, he just, he, he went, whoop, went to the multitude. Uh, everyone was caught up in whatever was going on, and Jesus just left them there. Because once he finished doing the will of the Father among them, brothers and sisters, for that day, he left. He left. He was submitted to the Father. Oh, no, but some people some people want to give them an explanation. Well, let me explain to them that, you know, you've you got to use, you got to be understanding. Hallelujah. You get involved with evil people, they're going to contaminate you. Okay? That's what they're going to do. Jesus was among them to do the will of the Father. Okay? Whether the, the Pharisees and scribes criticized him, well, that's what their own evil mind they did. But Jesus was among them to do the word of the Father amongst the prostitutes, to, to, to bring the kingdom of God among them. Once he came and he healed he, and, and saved and, and delivered, once he did all that and people were rejoicing all that, he immediately left them. And we, we read that his disciples were also left behind several occasions. He just left them. He just left them. But they knew, they understood that he, he needed time with the Father, and he was going to pray. Hallelujah. Okay, so please understand you are led by the Holy Spirit of God. Don't let people get, get you into argument about it. People want to argue, time is too Tell them time is too short, you don't have time for that. That's what I say. Well, I don't have time for this. Time is too short. The, the trumpet's going to sound soon. I don't have time for this. Thank you, Lord. Verse 10. And Balak said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor, the son of the desert, the son of the devil, the king of Moab, has said unto me, saying, You're going to see how angry the Lord gets at Balin, his servant. And he'll get the same way with you. 
if you don't get the message, if you don't understand when he's leading you, or you or you want to be a people pleaser, you, you're going to get the Lord angry at you. I'm going to teach you how or when you're going to get the Lord angry at your life. Because a lot of people get the Lord angry at them, and they don't even know how to deal with that. I'm going to teach you here how you're going to get the Lord angry at you. Very easy. You want to be a people pleaser? Such a nice guy, nicer than God, nicer than the Lord. You are going to get the Lord angry at you. I'm going to teach you. This is, this is very important. That's why I tell you, if I get caught up with other things, the, the message, man, okay? Because veiling got the Lord angry at him. He got, and you're, you're say, but you're going to say in this story, but the Lord is contradicting himself. What are he saying to Balaam? Go. And then he gets angry at Balaam because he's go. Because the Lord is letting you know you have to be led by his spirit. You need to listen to him first. Okay? You need to listen to the Lord. If you listen to just man, you're going to get the Lord angry. Are you? Are you? And you're not going to understand how to, how to go about it. But you're going to have to repent. Repent and separate yourself. That's why when the Bible talks about holiness, the first meaning of holiness, look it up in the dictionary, is separation. Separation. I had a pastor say this to me years ago. Pastor John was in heaven. It's separating yourself from sin. Separating yourself from the things that don't please God is what he means. Be thou holy because I am holy. And you may say, yeah, Lord, you're holy because you're in heaven. You're in the glory. How, how do you want me be down here in this darkness to be holy? What the Lord is saying to you, my son, my daughter, separate yourself from the things that don't please me. That's what God is saying to you. God knows how evil this place is, how dark this place is. But he's asking you to separate yourself from him. And you need to learn and practice this. A lot of people don't know. I mean, I was, I'm speaking with Christians this week that don't know how to separate themselves. They think that they're called to be among everyone. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You need to be separated for the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Verse 11. Behold, there came a people come out of Egypt who covered the face of the earth. Come now, Christian, for me. Perhaps I will be able to overcome them and drive them out. The first thing the devil wants to do when he comes to kill, steal, and destroy you is move you from where God wants you to be. The first thing, you're going to notice that. You may be a, a, a sister listening to me or a brother. You may want your wife, may, your wife may come and say, honey, let's go. Your husband may come and say, honey, let's go. When you know God wants you there, if your husband is not right with God or your wife is not right with God, don't say, oh, no, he just don't like to pray. Huh. Don't make up excuses for your husband or your wife. Be honest. Be honest. Some people like to make up excuses for him. Don't do that. Okay? If your husband don't like to pray, he's not right with God. If your wife don't like to pray, she's not right with God. Don't say, oh, no, she, she, you know, she loves God, but she just don't like to pray. 
Was she making your life a living hell? Huh? Come on, be honest. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Just say she's not right with God. That's why the Bible tells you, you better be cold than lukewarm. Better be hot than lukewarm. He prefers that you be cold than lukewarm, but he wants you to be hot. In another word, that's the heat of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the oneness of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. He wants you to have the Holy Spirit burning anything in your life that is not of God. That's what God wants for the Holy Spirit every single day to be burning all impurity, all sin, anything that is not of God of your life daily. He wants you to be in that fire. That fire talks about testing, trial. God goes through fire. Your life needs to be in the fire. My life needs to be in the fire. That's what the Lord is saying. I want you in the fire. I want you every day in the fire. Because when you get out of that fire, you're not mine anymore is what the Lord is saying. You can say you are, but you're not. And the problem is when we get out of the fire, we, we begin to justify ourselves. With, oh, I'm not praying like I used to. Excuse me? Come on, be honest. Say, I'm not praying at all. I'm not praying. At, I had a brother say to me, Brother Elvie, you know what happens to me? I began to pray less every day. And to just got up to and went to work without any prayer. And found myself doing all these sinful things of the world that I knew wasn't pleasing to God. And to God have to really shake me to the core of my being for me to re- realize that I was I was lost. I'm not kidding you, Brother Elby. I was lost, is what he says. I was lost. I was not lukewarm. I was lost. That word lukewarm is lost, Brother Elby. I was lost, he says. I knew that if that trumpet sound, I'll stay. I'm honest. I'll stay. That's what God wants, sincerity, brothers and sisters. Not making up excuses for it, No. If we're not there, we're not there. Thank you, Lord. God will help us. We we get on our knees, we'll cry out to the Lord, brothers and sisters, and the Lord will help us. The Lord will bring us back to, back to him. In that moment, the, the blood of Jesus cleanses us, bring us into relationship, and then huh, stay there. That's how the Word of God tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on him, the altar of our faith. Stay with him. Keep your eyes on Him. Because you take your eyes from Him, you lost. you lost. You're walking in a way. In the moment, there are many ways connected with that way where you can see that you can get off any time. In the moment you get off, in the moment you get off, okay, you're lost. And that's what happens to a lot of people. Hallelujah. So, if your husband, you know... It's away from the Lord, pray earnestly, because the prayer of the righteous avail much. When you repent before the Lord, because we both are one, say, Lord, please forgive the sin of my husband, too. That's why Paul says that through the wife, the man can be cleansed, or through the, or through the man, the wife can be cleansed. That's when you repent, you can ask the Lord to also forgive his sin. Because you're one. You can claim that. That oneness in the Lord, you can claim that. That's in the word of God. The word of God don't lie. And the Lord can cleanse that other person. 
It's amazing how that person sees. Some people struggle a lot, but really struggle. But the Lord is merciful. And through your, uh, I was telling someone yesterday on the phone, uh, pray, telling me about this son she has that is struggling so much. I said, pray and pray for him. Don't stop. Because the Lord will have mercy and always will reach out to him. Hallelujah. Always. The Lord will reach out to him and have mercy on him. One thing Jesus showed me is that he's going to bring people to the valleys, which is better than hell. A lot of people don't understand. Better than hell because of the prayer of other people interceding for them. Amen. And you can go and see that person. With the Lord, you can ask the Lord, man, I go see. The Lord may say yes or not. Because I saw people from angel and people from heaven coming. Actually, what I saw was redeemed, which were people that came out of heaven to see the people in the valley and preach to them. And I thought, wow, that is so awesome. You can be one of them. Amen. If you have a loved one, a husband, a wife, the Lord can bring them to the valleys. They will have to seek the Lord and find the Lord one way or another, and the Lord will help them. That's what the Lord showed me. And I tell you, it is a blessing. Psalm 23, though I go to the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Amen. It's, a, it's like a shadow of death in those valleys. It's hard. It's difficult. But the Lord can help them find a way. Jesus can do anything. Hallelujah. The other, I will not say the outer darkness because the outer darkness, hell is in outer darkness. So that's why I will not use the word outer darkness referring to the valleys. Amen. Uh, verse 11 of uh, uh, number 22. Verse 2, I'm sorry. And God said unto Balaam, Thou should not go with them. Thou should not curse the people, for they are blessed. Thank you, Lord. You see, brothers and sisters, why you need the Lord to fire your bottle. Okay, no, no purgatory, no. Okay, why do you need the Lord to fire your bottles? And you need to learn to go to the Lord to fire your bottle. And say, Lord, you said in your word, vengeance is mine. You need to claim that. You need to learn how to claim that. Vengeance is mine. You need to learn to say that in prayer every day, brothers and sisters. Because here's Israel. They are, are camping, camping, trusting in the Lord. In order to send this evil demon, Balak, is looking to destroy them, to bring them down. Destroy them is the word he used, destroy. Who came to kill and destroy? The devil. He came to steal John 10.10. 10. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. That thief is Satan from the beginning. He stole Adam and Eve's garden. I mean, he stole their blessing in the garden. That the dominion. So God said unto Balaam, Thou should not go with them, thou should not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now, look what God says first. Don't go with them. You hear some Christians, no, you know, I need to go with them because I need to be an example. God said don't go with them. Are you better than God? Do you have more knowledge than God? Can you teach God? Can you? Can you teach God? No, you can't. That's why you need to be led by the Spirit. God said, don't go with them. Don't. Don't go with them. Why did God say don't go with them? Because God knows what's best for you. That's why. God is leading you. God is protecting you. 
God is with you. So God wants to give, one, God wants you to avoid a headache, that problem in your life. That's why God is telling you, don't go with them. Someone comes to get you to go do whatever, and, you, and, and, and the Spirit of God speaks to you and says no, or not you and say no. What do you do? You obey. No, I can't go. But why? I can't explain to you. I can't go. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise to God. You do what God wants you to do. You let him lead you. Let the Holy Spirit of God lead you. Let him lead you. Let him lead you. Don't let any man lead you but the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible even says that we don't need no one to teach us because the anointing will teach us everything. Oh, I thank you, Lord. God is speaking to someone tonight. I can feel the Lord speaking to someone tonight. You got the Holy Spirit in your life. You got him. Let him lead you. Don't sit there and argue with him. Don't sit there and argue with the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord. Because he wants to lead you to all true. To all true. He's not going to leave you to pain or headache. He's not going to lead you to lose everything. On the contrary, he will lead you through blessing. Blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. God said, don't go with them. Verse 13. Invade and rules in the morning and say unto the princes of Alec, princes of Alec, that's exactly what Jesus showed me in the heavenly places. The princes of Alec. I mean, this word is so true. This word is so real. What a blessing the word of God is. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. What a blessing his word is. Thank you, Lord. Get you into your land, for the Lord refused to give me leave to go with you. And don't be afraid the Lord is telling me not to go with you. Okay? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask the Lord to lead you. So Balak at this moment understood he should not go with the Lord. But you're going to be tested. Understand you're going to be tested. That is going to test you. But you need to understand the testing. Verse 13. And the princes of Moab rose up and they went unto Balak and said, Balak refused to come with us. You see, when you just overcame the devil in this part of your life, the devil did not went home and went back to sleep. <laughs> he don't sleep. That's why our God don't sleep, so they will imitate God. He don't sleep neither. He came to Balak, they came to Balak, and they said, Balin, don't want to come with us. And, and they and, and Balin, they said, Balin refused to come with us. The message was clear at this moment. The message from God was clear at this moment. But watch the devil when he comes against your life one way, he's not going to stop there. You can even rebuke him there and send him down to hell. He goes down to hell in pain. But he's not going to stop coming against your life. Okay? Jesus fasted for 40 days. He was tempted, to the, for the, he was tempted by the devil at the end of the 40 days. 
And the, after Jesus overcame the devil, the devil left. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. That's why Jesus teaches us how to overcome the enemy. Who's going to come against you today, tomorrow, and the day after. Until he's locked up in hell, definitely. Verse 15. And Balak said, yet again, princes, more and more honorable than they. He sends more demons, more honorable, with more ability than the first, seeking a way to bring this man of God down. He's going to send other demons that will attack you in other ways in your life that they probably, they, brought, they probably brought you down years ago. But now you have gotten stronger and all that. And the devil say, you guys brought them down, brought her down, brought him down five years ago. Go ahead and bring them down again. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. But this is what the armor this is this is what the armor of God will protect you. This is what the Lord can keep you protected through his armor. When you know how to use your armor. Because here comes a demon against your life to bring your, you down, your family down, your relationship with your family down, your finance down. Oh, you you're really putting a resistance. And your finance, the devil is not even is not able to bring your finance down. You're still strong in your finance, and the devil immediately wants to try to get to your children, your teenager. Huh. Oh, she prays for that finance a lot, so I cannot bring her down there. But her sons, her daughter, they're not too close for God. I can bring her down to there. I can bring him down to there. You need to cover them with prayer. Cover them with the blood of Jesus. Put on them the armor of God, the hedge of protection. We need to look. That's why we need to dedicate one day to the armor. Because when we understand the armor, how to put on the armor of God, brother and sister, then, then, you understand that you can put it on yourself and on your children, your family. And when the devil comes against your life, once you have prayed for them, put on the armor, he can. He's blocked. I've seen this in the spiritual realm. Them trying to hit the armor because they cannot get through it. That's why I'm going to share one day on the armor so you understand. You can put it on your house. Other people don't even know this. You can put a hatch of protection on the home. The demon cannot get to the home. Just alone get to the home with a hedge of protection. They don't even know this. We've got to share all these things in one day, brothers and sisters. But we first we got to learn how the devil is going to try to come against your life different ways. But you need to be prepared. You need to be strong in those ways. And the Lord will protect you. The Lord will protect you once you are praying. Are you listening? Once you are praying... Not just, this is why you don't just pray for yourself. You got to take all your family individually and pray for them. Learn to pray for your family individually. Don't say, say, Lord, I just pray for all my family and I cover them with your blood. No. The Lord told me no. You see? You see, brothers, the Lord says no. 
Individually, my son. Individually. This is very important. This is very important because something happens when you do this individually, which is not the same. I didn't know this. I learned this. So I want to share these things with you. I want to continue tomorrow and explain even more so then we can learn about the armor. Brothers and sisters. But I need to finish with this before because it's too much information. Still, we are yeah, yeah in, in verse 15. Amen. And, and then we move on tomorrow from verse 15. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. And, man, what a blessing. Well, here's the latest prophecy. Brothers and sisters, I continue tomorrow with this. Thank you, Lord. I just want to come on here and do, do two dreams that I've had because um, I know it's been a while since I've been up here and I know that I only come up here when I have a dream that's really, really important to share. Um, I have had a dream a week ago about I was, I was outside and when I looked up in the sky, it was nighttime. I saw, first I saw all my family and some people that my family have known for years outside and uh, some other people were outside as well and we were all looking up to the sky and in the sky there was this bright shining light coming down from the sky it was like illuminated light just coming out of the sky and it was it looked like a star but it was just this bright ball of light just coming down from the sky and it got closer and closer and closer and the closer that it got people started like I saw my own family falling to the ground and bowing down, like worshiping this this being that was coming out of the sky. And I I remember at first I was getting happy. I'm like, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And um, then all of a sudden, the closer I got, I was like, that ain't Jesus. I was like, that's not Jesus. I know that's not Jesus. I started feeling something in me that was not right. And the people that were bowing down, like, they were all looking at me like, what, how are you not bowing down? You, you've been telling us about him coming all this time and you're not bowing down. You're not, you're not, and I'm like, that's, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. And the closer it came down, it looked at me and it got angry at me. Because first it was happy when it saw all the people bowing down. It got really happy and then it noticed I was not bowing down to it. And it came closer to me and it got right up to my face about here. And it was like, trying to attack me at my face and I kept saying you are not Jesus you're not Jesus I repeated it like four times to him three times I you're not Jesus and it got madder and madder every time I got closer like when I kept saying that and then finally it, I woke up I didn't I didn't uh, have any more of that dream but that was it I just remember it getting really really mad and I woke up um we all know that there's going to be a false messiah and people will worship it and others that are like it says in the bible even uh, possibly even the elect if possible and uh so i know that that's what that dream was that we are getting ready for this false messiah to show itself um again i had that was last week and today i had a dream this morning and it was about uh i was I was in New York City. I remember being in New York City. I was on the Empire State Building on the pointy thing that is up on the Empire State Building, and I was climbing down it. And I got down, and I started seeing all these military people. They were all, uh, what is it? It's, uh, they were all just looked like they, they were 
uh, what is the word? I'm having a brain dud right now. They're bowing down to this person. They were they were just praising this person, basically. Um, I can't think of the word. I'm sure somebody's yelling at the screen. It's this. It's this. Um, but anyways, all these military people were really intrigued by this this person, and they were all in their stance, like how it was in Hitler's day, where everybody was praising Hitler, and that's how it was in where I was in my dream. And I saw I was like going through the crowds of all these people. It's like I didn't affect them when I was crawling through them, like like getting by them to get closer to see what they were all like uh, worshiping. And so finally I get to this big giant uh, stone chair. It was huge, huge giant chair. I literally felt tiny compared to this giant chair. And it was just made of stone, like this rock. And I saw under the chair, there was some reason I looked under the chair, and when I did, I saw something to do with the Pope and Obama. And then after I looked down under the chair and I looked back up, all of a sudden I saw this giant man, and it was Obama. And uh, I woke up after I saw that. People were literally worshiping him. I, I woke up after I saw it. The first thing I felt in my spirit was that he has now stepped to a higher position, like a higher power. That's why the Lord was showing me him being so big. That's what I got in my spirit. So I really feel like he's about to step up into some higher position, something. Uh, that's, that's what I had a dream of this morning. Um, so those have been my dreams of recently. So, yeah. So I hope everybody is blessed and everybody's having a wonderful and beautiful day in the Lord. And Lord willing, I will be up here some other time, hopefully soon, with another dream video, if the Lord permits it. I love you all very much, and I hope everybody stays blessed. Bye. Are you serious? Are you serious, folks? It is 820 here in uh California, we've just had a major, mega, mega, mega earthquake. 7.5 has just hit the Solomon Islands uh, about 29 minutes ago. Let me just tell you what's happening. Uh, the government agencies are reporting a 7.5 earthquake has hit the Solomon Islands. There is an estimated time of poten potential tsunamis. Uh, and here's where the tsunami waves are going to hit if they hit. Within the next six hours, actual arrival times could differ a little bit, but a tsunami uh, is possible, very possible, and the warnings are out. Santa Cruz Island, uh, it will hit you in, I'm looking for the time. At 0301 UTC. Is that right, honey? There are uh, Solomon Islands, of course, Vanuatu, uh, all over the San all over the Solomon Islands, there's a high potential opportunity for a tsunami. And Vanuatu Islands and Papua New Guinea. And also Marshall Islands. Um, 
Fiji Islands. So all of the, Australia, down, the, down quite a ways from now, probably about five hours now, uh, Brisbane, Australia, and uh, New Zealand. All of you need to take, uh, take precautions and to check your weather um, agencies within your countries, Indonesia, but really the Solomon Islands area and Vanuatu and uh, Papua New Guinea are really, really, you're right in this thing. 7.5 mega, mega earthquake has just hit uh, in the Solomon Islands. Now, we'll try to continue to focus on this as, as well as the raging wildfire that has burnt nearly 4,000 acres and 20 cars, five homes, and it's not, it's out of control hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, are stranded on the 15 inter interstate, uh, 15 freeway, they call it, in San Bernardino, California. It is a complete mess there. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. I've done two videos on that already, and we're still not over. And we will now keep an eye on the tsunami situations uh, that could be coming from this major, massive earthquake, apocalyptic events taking place tonight. So uh, stay with us right here on YouTube. We'll keep you up to speed. God bless. I'm telling you, the apocalyptic signs are everywhere. This place is about ready to blow. I'm telling you. Are you safe? We're running out of time. Hello, everyone. This is Frank Damar. Welcome to my YouTube channel. Again, I'd like to invite you to go over to my website where you can download my book today for free, the documentary on Bible prophecy and current events called The Last Chronicles of planet Earth. Now for those of you who have been coming to my website, you know that I keep up to date on the birds, the fish, and the animals that are dying off. Now, a couple days ago I left off on the 12th and we're going to pick up on the new reports that just came in dealing with July the 13th, 2015 through July the 16th of 2015. If you want all of the reports, they're in my book, free download at my website. But today, I'm going to be dealing with the issue of these turtles that are dying off, as well as the sturgeon. Now, for those of you who just found my website, I want to make sure that you understand that what I'm going to be showing is part of prophecy. The birds, the fish, and the animals dying off, we're told in Hosea, there's other scriptures, but I'm just going to deal with Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and you'll see it in red. The Lord is revealing to us that the fowls of heaven, the fishes of the sea, of course the beasts of the field, they're going to be dying off. And we know from Mark 13.8 that the Lord said that this last generation we're going to see the birth pangs and we're seeing the birth pangs of all of the signs. No one else has been privy to all of the signs taking place at the same time except our generation. So what you're seeing as far as the beasts of the fields, the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea is part of a larger picture of complete prophecy. Now the first one came from Trinidad, July 13th of 2015. And you'll see this is the article where they had these turtles that have died, and you can see in the, in the red there, the group is currently investigating the cause of the deaths. Now, I'm going to have the links in my book, 
And I'm also going to have the links at my website that you can download those links and you can read the entire article if you desire. But the bottom line is this, as I said in so many of my other updates, mystery. Again, trying to figure out what is killing the sea life. And in the USA, July the 16th of 2015, we see officials worried by mysterious deaths of the sturgeon. And again, the mysterious deaths of dozens of giant sturgeon, and you'll see the number there, more than 80 dead sturgeon that they found in this river in Oregon. So again, more reports coming in. Now, just as I gave you a couple days ago, and I've given you almost every other day, and sometimes almost every single day, I want to warn again that you're going to see more reports like this that deal with the mass deaths of birds, fish, and the animals. Because we are, as I said, in the heart of the birth pangs, and things from here on in are going to get much worse. Now, just so you know the numbers, for example, in 2014, there were 601 mass death events in 76 countries. And as you can see by the number there, in the year 2015, there were 503 of these mass death events in 72 countries. So the number is only 98 difference, and we still have five months to go in the year. So the birth pains are getting worse as far as this certain prophecy, as you can see. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you want to get to know him really quickly. He's calling this generation to repentance, and some are answering that call. Others who are hearing it, who are refusing it, will end up being catapulted into the tribulation period at a time that you're not going to like because you're going to have to face the Antichrist and obviously the edict of taking his number, which we know from Revelation chapter 13, that will be placed on the right hand or the forehead. And if you take that number, this is probably the most important part of this, this update, if you take that number, you seal your fate, eternity, in hell, and that's something you do not want to do. So just want to let you know I'm going to keep the red flag up because there are more reports that will be coming. Part of prophecy is believing what the Lord said and watching for what he said. And if you're on the watch, you're not going to be caught as a thief in the night like Jesus says. So please pay attention to the surroundings around you, what you're seeing on the news, because a large part of it has to do with fulfillment of Bible prophecy. And I would be honored if you would come over to my site and get this information firsthand. Alright, so there's another prophecy that I want to cover. And for that, let's go to Revelation chapter 7, verse 16, where Jesus warns us about the heat of the last days. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. And that's not the only place in the book of Revelation where Jesus warns about this intensity of the sun from and the heat. There's another one, Revelation 16.8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. So there's a lot of things going on during the tribulation of which people are going to be hungry, they're going to be thirsty because of the intensity of the sun. 
And obviously, if the sun's that hot, it's going to affect the food because it would burn up the crops and it would evaporate the water. And so you have people hungry and starving. These are the signs that the Lord said. And we're in the birth pain signs. Let me give you a new study that just came out showing you some facts and statistics about what we are seeing currently. This article came out July the 17th. 2015 from Bloomberg Business. The freakish year is broken climate records. And you see, they have listed six different things that you should know. First of all, the temperature set a new record. This is what it says. The annual state of the climate report is out. And it's ugly. Record heat, record sea levels, more hot days, and fewer cold nights surging cyclones, unprecedented pollution, and rapidly diminishing glaciers. The U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, issues a report each year compiling the latest data gathering by 413 scientists from around the world. It's 288 pages, but we'll save you some time. Here's a review of six charts of some of the climate highlights of 2014. Obviously, we're in 2015, but the data for 2015 needs to be accumulated and reported at the end of the year, so we're giving what happened in 2014 at the end. Now, underneath the picture, you see it's getting hot out there. Four independent data sets show last year was the hottest in 135 years of modern record-keeping. The map above shows temperature departure from the norm. The eastern half of North America was one of the few cool spots on the planet. And when you look at this chart, you'll see the darkness there. These are the warmest areas. Australia, Russia, Europe, obviously North Pacific, and so forth. So definitely 135 years of record keeping. Now, I know that there are be people out there say, well, look it, this has happened before in the history, and I would totally agree with them. However, the major difference here is Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24, warned that when you shall see all these things take place, know that it's near, even at the door. So there hasn't been any other generation who has seen the intense heat, the record-breaking heat, alongside all of the other prophecies that he warned would be happening in one single generation, and that's ours. Let's go over to number two. Sea levels also surge to a record. And as you can see from the chart, it starts from 1980 all the way to 2015, and just like the birth pains that Jesus mentioned in Mark 13:8, you can see the marks going straight up. Global sea level rise. Now, in Mark, before I show you what they wrote about this, let me show you what Jesus said in Luke 21, starting in verse 25. Because here, like in the book of Revelation, he gives us a warning about the sun. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. Take a look at what he says here. The sea and the waves roaring. So, not only are there going to be massive storms, but as the glaciers melt and the sea rises up because of the water, 
melting from the glaciers, when the storms come, it's going to be a bigger surge, causing mass problems. And we're already seeing these cyclones that are moving millions of people out of the way, out of harm's way. And we also know that in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, the Lord told us that people would be running to and fro. We're certainly seeing that in this generation. All right, so what does the article say about this? It says, the global mean scene level continue to rise, keeping pace with the trend of 3.2 millimeters per year over the last two decades. The global satellite record goes back only to 1993, but the trend is clear and consistent. Rising tides are one of the most physically destructive aspects of climate change. Eight of the world's ten largest cities are near a coast, and 40% of the U.S. population lives in coastal areas where the risk of flooding and erosion continues to rise. Now, here's another chart, and of course, this would be number three on their list. It says the glaciers retreat for the 31st consecutive year. That's a lot of years of seeing ice melt. So when you take a look at the chart, they're coming downwards, and it started in 1980, as you see right here. And then you watch the red, and you'll see the, the melting is getting worse as we get going here. So there has been a trend established, and it says data from more than three dozen mountain glaciers show that 2014 was the 31st straight year of glacier ice loss worldwide, not just in one area, but this is worldwide. The consistent retreat of glaciers is considered one of the clearest signals of global warming. Most alarming, the rate of loss is accelerating over time. And again, I'm going to keep driving this point home. This is part of the birth pains. It is getting worse. So when we hear about accelerating and getting much worse, and if you go in and you watch my videos about the birds, the fish, and the animals dying, I would say it, over half of those reports talk about, I've never seen this, it's never been this bad before. We're constantly hearing this kind of verbiage. Now we're going to move to number four. There are more hot days and fewer cold nights. Climate change doesn't just increase the average temperature, it also increases the extremes. The chart above shows when daily high temperatures max out above the 90th percentile and nightly lows fall below the lowest 10th percentile. The measures were near their global records last year and the trend is consistently miserable. In other words, things are not getting any better. It's harder for people. In the graph to the right here, you'll see it. Just follow the lines. They're going up. They're getting worse. And people are getting colder at night. So the extremes, especially, you know, when you consider how many people are becoming homeless now, especially in the United States. I've never seen so many homeless people in my life. When I'm traveling around, I spot them all over the place. And the conditions and the weather conditions, obviously people who are homeless want to migrate to warmer climates. But now the extremes have gotten so bad, you, you have to pick or choose. Do you want extreme heat 
or extreme cold because you don't have too much in between. All right, number five, a record greenhouse gases fill the atmosphere. Take a look at this chart. It's right off the wall here. All the way to 2015, climbing up again, just like the birth things that Jesus warned us about. By burning fossil fuels, humans have cranked up concentrations of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by more than 40% since the Industrial Revolution. Carbon dioxide, the most important greenhouse gas, reached concentration of 400 parts per million for the first time in May 2013. Soon we'll stop seeing concentrations that low ever again. The data shown are from Moon Low Observatory in Hawaii. Data collection was started there by C. David Keeling of the Scripps Institute of Oceanography in March 1958. This chart is commonly referred to as the Keeling Curve. Then number six and the last one, the oceans absorb crazy amounts of heat. The oceans store and release heat on a massive scale. Over shorter spans of years to decades, ocean temperatures naturally fluctuate from climate patterns like El Nino and what's known as the Pacific Decadal Oscillation. Longer term, oceans are absorbing even more global warming than the surface of the planet, contributing to rising seas, melting glaciers, and dying coral reefs and fish populations. You see how the prophecies are going hand to hand? I just got through covering Hosanna where he's telling us that the fish are going to die. And you see that some of the effects that this report specifies are fish populations dying. Now going on, in 2015, the world has moved into an El Nino warming pattern in the Pacific Ocean. El Nino phases release some of the oceans stored heat into the atmosphere, causing weather shifts around the world. This El Nino hasn't peaked yet, but by some measures, already the most extreme ever recorded for this time of the year and could lead 2015 to break even more records than last year. When you go back to my website, you'll be able to see many of my reports concerning the red flag about extreme temperatures coming. And the only reason why I know that this is going to happen for sure is because the Lord told us, I believe the Lord, and everything He's told us up to this point has been 100% on target. And so, since He's the real, true Messiah, nothing He says about, about Bible prophecy will fail. And therefore, I can feel extreme confident and telling you what's going to happen before it happens based on the word of the Lord. This world is headed for extreme temperatures, more so than we've ever seen. Please, give your life to Jesus. Ask Him to come into your life and to save you while the church is still here. The Lord's heart is with all the people. He wants people to be saved. He wants people to be removed from the tribulation period where the wrath of God is being poured out on an unrighteous generation. The Lord took the righteous away from the world flood. He loved them so much. And those that relied on the Lord were saved. He did the same thing in Lot's generation when he sent in those angels to take out Lot and his family before he passed judgment on an unrighteous people. 
Don't let it happen to you now before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will always save those who call on His name for salvation. This is Frank DeMore from the End Times Research Ministry. Thank God bless. the word from the Lord on June 29th. The title of this word is Come Into the Ark of My Presence. I'm a little bit behind in getting things posted. You guys know that we went out of town for a few days over Independence Day and then when I come back I had canning to do. I have been spending time with the Lord but I just um, haven't taken time this week to get my videos uh, made and uploaded, but uh, so I'm behind. I've got uh, actually quite a few that I need to catch up on, so I will try to get them done quickly. Okay, well, um, okay, it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. I am in your midst. I have chosen you as my own special possession and have set my seal upon you. Do you trust that my eyes are upon you? Not a hair falls from your head without my knowledge. Oh, my beautiful children, how I adore you. My heart delights in you. Oh, how I long to hold you in my arms and comfort you. Come to me, my little one. Seek me in the secret place. Take time to delight in me as I delight in you. Your enemy seeks to keep you from me. But he cannot if you will come into my presence. Seek me diligently, and I will strengthen you in my love and joy. The heaviness of this world quickly fades in my presence. Come quickly into the ark of my presence, where all things are possible. Be united as one with me. All knowledge, all wisdom, and all power is found in me. Those who have surrendered their hearts to be united as one with me will lack no good thing. In me, there is no fear. In me, there is no doubt. In me, there is no rebellion. Take your place in me. Blessed are those who come now into the ark of my safety. They shall have a pure heart before my Father. Blessed are those who forsake the ways of this world to be in unity with me. They shall not fall. They shall not fail. They shall, not be, they shall be carriers of my presence. They shall be the carriers of my glory. Great glory shall fill the earth. Great joy shall will fill my people. All will see and know that I am God and that I have chosen a remnant for my own that have bowed their hearts before me and have become one with me. Great and mighty shall my army be. Come now, do not delay. Seek me now, my beloved. I am waiting for you. 
I will receive you, take your place in me, let your hearts be united as one, through you the world will see my glory, through you the world will see me, do not delay, come now. Praise the Lord. I just want to say a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your great love. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. And Lord, that you keep us informed, Lord, of what you are doing in the earth, Lord God. And you encourage us, Lord. And you strengthen us with your love in your presence. And Lord, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you, God, for your great love for your children. And, Lord, I just lift up all those, Lord, who belong to you. Lord, that you would draw them into the secret place. And you would reveal yourself to them in a much greater way. That you would teach them your ways, O oh God. And, Lord, that your people would come into unity with you. And, Lord, that you would help us. Father, to cross over that bridge of the death of our flesh until we are in full unity with you, God. And Lord, I just thank you for it. Lord, I thank you. I know you love us. We know you love us, Lord. And I just lift up all of your people. God, I lift up everyone who comes to this video. And Lord, those of my subscribers that don't come, Lord. God, that you would fill them with your glory, that you would fill them with your presence, that you would pour out your spirit upon them, and that you would help them, Lord God, to walk in your light in a greater measure and to be a great light in the earth. And we just thank you for it, God. Lord, I ask that your blessings be upon them, Father God, upon their finances, upon their body for healing, upon their mind for healing upon their relationships for healing. Fill them now, Lord God, and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. Okay. Wow. God wants us to, to uh, come into his presence, to take time daily, to just stop the busyness, to stop the things that we're doing, and to set aside that time to... To seek his face, to, to meditate upon him, to uh, pray, to talk to him, and to listen, to just to be still and to know that he is God in his presence. But he wants us, guys, also to learn how to be in his presence all the time, to be aware of him and his presence, and to stay in unity with him all the time, always, in everything we do, seeking his counsel, asking him what direction we should go in, what we should do, and uh, always being mindful of him, and uh, just staying in unity with his heart, and uh, guys, if we do that, then if we do anything at all that we should not do, he's going to correct us, he's going to bring us back onto the path that he wants for us, if we make wrong turns, he's going to correct us, and uh, Perilous times are ahead. We know that. Perilous times are ahead. And God wants his children to be intimate with him, to come into that intimate relationship with him and uh, and learn to, to 
uh, dwell in his presence, to hear his voice. His voice is a, a still, small voice, and he wants us, he speaks to us in many ways. And he wants us to learn how to, how to hear him, just to be still, and to let his word, God, he is not separated from his word. Don't let anyone tell you that the word of God is not valuable and as effective and as useful and as important now as it has ever been. Jesus is his word. He will never disagree with his word. And so we can stand upon his word. His, the word of God is our anchor. And uh, if ever we feel that, the, that a spirit is saying something to us, is contrary to the word of God, then that's that's our clue that that is not that is not the spirit of God, that is not Jesus, that is not the Holy Spirit speaking to us if it's contrary to the word of God. So we can stay centered in Christ, and we can stay stay focused, and we can stay in unity with Him if we rely not only on spirit but on the word both, and not only on the word but on His spirit. On both together, and all both will always be in agreement. And so we just need to come into agreement with the Word of God and with the Spirit of God that dwells on the inside of us and line our flesh. Don't let our flesh lead us, but let our spirit lead us. And then when we do that, our born-again spirit, when our spirit leads us, we are in unity with the Spirit of God, with the Holy Spirit. Because our spirit man is in unity, so we've got to line our mind up. Amen. We've got to line our mind up with the Word of God and line our, uh, our body up with the, with the mind of God and with the Spirit of God and with the Word of God. And when we do that, we are a body in His presence. We are in Him and He is in us. And He will lead us and guide us and we don't have anything to worry about. We have nothing to fear if we just... It's, it's all about surrender. Just surrendering to His Spirit. Surrendering to His Word. Well, guys, that's all I have for now. God bless you. I love you. Bye-bye. Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome to God's Holy Seven Channel. I'm Sister Barbara. Brother Dan is with me again. And we just couldn't almost record this one. So this must be a home there. Took me what, five tries to get the recorder to work? So I'm going to be in the New King James Version Study Bible. I'm going to be in Leviticus, uh, reading chapter 16, verses 29 to 34. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is the Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statue forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments, and then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord commanded Moses.
Glad to be here again on God's Healer 7. I got this word on December 31st of 2010. Thy faith shall make thee whole. A man can't count himself as one of the children of God unless he walks in faith. Do not let the hour of truth pass thee by, but stand steadfast in righteousness. Once again, the blind shall see. The course of events shall turn in a way not seen by man. All things become visible to those who wait. Silence speaks the words of peace. The Father welcomes the repentant sinner. Much of the fruits of thy labor remain invisible to thee. Do not hide from but welcome the trials that come upon thee, since they shall strengthen thee. A man knows not the truth unless he opens his heart. The day of atonement nears. Those that possess faith shall soon receive their crown of glory. Woe to those who have scattered the sheep. The light grows dim and little time remains to gather those who are lost. The prudent man will always think before he acts. Loosen the tie that binds thee, and then you shall see the truth. Let the breath of forgiveness enter thy heart. Amen. Amen. So the, the day of atonement here, I find this very intriguing. So Brother Dan got this prophecy, December 31st, 2010. I put my uh, prophecy time frame messages up, I think it was in January of 2012. Mm -hmm. We don't, we didn't even know what the day of the was when we got that prophecy message, or this, uh, Dan got this prophecy message. So here we are, we know what it is, we know it's coming up, September 23rd, 2015, Yom Kippur, day of the and this is the time for this prophecy message to come up. And uh, it's uh, edifying. And it tells you in here that um, the prudent man will always think before he acts, and those that possess faith shall soon receive their crown of glory. So again, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Read about that in Acts 38. I think I have a, either me or you have a video up there. You must be born again. You must be born again to enter the kingdom. You need to have the Holy Spirit. So I'm proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord from now until September 23rd, 2015, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. The Lord offers a complete cancellation of spiritual debt to anyone who responds to his message. So put that message in and listen to it. God bless. Thanks for the dance. Shalom. Praise the Lord, everyone. Welcome to God's Holy Seven Channel. I'm Sister Barbara. I'm Brother Dan with me today. Again, we're reading some older prophecy messages. This one's not that bad. This is January 2012. So join me in the New King James Version Study Bible. Uh, I'm going to be in the book of Ecclesiastics, uh, chapter 12, verse 14. Just read that one first there. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil, so no one's getting away with anything. Next, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10, verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. 
I'm glad to be here again on God's Healer 7. I got this word on January 1st of 2012. Those seeking sorrow shall find it. My prophets speak the truth. Can man open his heart to hear it? Mercy awaits the hour of truth. The Divine One holds the keys to your destiny. Follow the Word of God, for it shall lead you to salvation. What has remained hidden will be revealed for mercy's sake. Open your heart, then your eyes shall see. Was the end not foretold in the beginning? Does my light not reveal the truth? Those that count their sorrows leave no room for their blessings. Do not mourn for that which is lost, but thank the Father for what is given. Sin's grip can only be released through the Word of God. Those that follow the light shall not stumble. Those that have been sanctified by grace have found favor with the Father. Amen. Amen. So again, time for repentance. Um, what is remained hidden will be revealed. Everything that is gone, you will have to give account for every word about your mouth, every single thing. No one, like I said, is getting away with any, anything. So now is the time to repent and turn from your sin. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and are proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord from now until September 23rd, 2015, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. God bless you all out there. Remember to like us on Bachelor's 7 Facebook channel. Thank you, Lord. We're still here. Amen. Sure. Hi guys, welcome to Chosen Explosions, End Time Prophetic Revelations. Saturday night, this past Saturday night, um, actually it was Friday night and early Saturday morning, June 5th and 6th, I had um, a very supernatural night. Um, it began with a vision, uh, and then I had um, a dream with five different scenes to it. And then when I woke up that morning, I had another vision. And all, these two visions and all five scenes of this dream all go together as a message from the Lord. Okay? Uh, I'm just going to begin with a word of prayer that the Lord will help us to discern this. Father God, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for words of wisdom, words of knowledge, for visions, for dreams, for prophecy. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you reveal your heart to your children, Lord. Lord, we praise you. And God, as I uh, impart these visions and these dreams, Lord, to my viewers, God, I pray, Lord, that even in the midst of it, that you would give me a greater revelation of what you're saying. And, Lord, I ask that you would give them a, a greater revelation, Lord, of what you're saying, Lord. Teach us your ways. Help us to hear your heart. So that we might be in unity with you and understand where we're at and what you're doing in the earth right now in our time. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through this and I'm going to tell you all the visions and all the dreams. 
And that way, before I give interpretations, and that way if you want to cut it off at that point, think about what you believe it means, um, and then turn it back on and listen to my interpretation, uh, you can do that. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Okay, before I went to that sleep that night, I was laying in the bed praying. I can't even remember. Even the next morning, I couldn't remember exactly what I was talking to the Lord about. I remember having been questioning Him about some things. And honestly, this is unusual for me, but I, can, I couldn't even remember exactly what my questions to God was. But... The first division that I had right before I went to sleep was I saw an artery, uh, a large artery in a human body. I could see organs. I think it was the heart. Uh, but that wasn't the focus. The only focus was the artery and that it was cut. It was cut this way, straight down, and I could see into the artery and there was no blood. And then that went away. And I questioned the Lord about it, and I went to sleep. Without receiving any answers from him, I went to sleep. Okay, and I'm going to tell you that I do not remember the order in which these dreams came. One dream I knew right away was the main, uh, or the scenes in the dream, rather. Uh, I knew that one particular scene, which is the largest, and it's not that large, but it was the largest, is the main uh, the main part of this dream, and then I have four other dreams that all tie into the one. Okay, I'm going to begin. Like I say, I can't remember the order of any of these dreams, but I'm going to begin by telling you the one that I know is the main one. Okay, this is the main one, and I may just read it because. It, it may just be easier to do that. That way I won't forget any part of it. Okay. Dream number one. My family and I were taking my daughter to the home of a man to let him see her because he was choosing a bride for himself. This man was royalty. He was a prince. I knew that his stature and his wealth was unlimited and unmatched. We walked into his dining room, and it was so large that I couldn't even see the end of the tables. There was no one there except my family, um, him, and his servants. We sat down at a table, but not not his table, because I knew that we wouldn't even dare sit down at his table without being invited to it. Okay, but he he approached us. And he took my daughter, and he walked away with her. He, he took her aside to talk to her privately, okay? And then when they returned, he invited my whole family to sit at his table with them, and we did. Okay. And the seating was important, so I'm going to tell you how we were sitting. I was sitting at the head of the table, he was to my right, and my daughter was to my left, so they were right across from each other. My husband was on the other side of my daughter, and the rest of my family was sitting around the table, and I didn't pay any attention to where they were sitting, but that they were all there. Okay, so I didn't notice any other placement but, but those. Okay, we made small talk with him, 
Then he told us that he was going away and he must choose a bride. He seemed very sad. Of course, I hoped that he would choose my daughter, but I was picking up vibes that he wasn't completely happy with her. He seemed very, very sad. And he did not seem um, overly intrigued with her. I consoled him that the Lord would provide for him a bride. I went on to make converse, just to make conversation with him by telling him that, that when it was time um, for me to choose a husband, that the Lord provided for me a husband. And then immediately after that, um, he said to me, his word shocked me. He said, in response to what I said, he said, in the right time, the father will provide for you a husband. And I started laughing. And I said, no, you don't understand. I'm married. The Lord has already provided me a husband. Okay? And at that point, he stood up and excused himself from the table and left. Didn't say where he was going or if he was coming back. But he excused himself and walked away. And at that point, I was feeling that this meeting did not go very well. And uh, at that at that point, uh, my daughter, she started crying. And she said, um, Mama, he don't like me. No, he don't want me. Mama, he don't want me. And um, just trying to be positive to my daughter, I said, well, Honey, you're not sure of that. How do you know? And uh, and she said that when him and I were alone, she said, I leaned slightly into him so that he could kiss me if he wanted to. She said, but he didn't. So she said, so she said that because of that, she felt that he didn't, he didn't want her. He didn't like her. Okay? But when she did that, when she, she actually leaned into me to tell me that because she was telling me quietly what she had done, you know, and uh, and when she did, when she leaned in close to me, I saw that my daughter's tooth was broken, it was chipped off, and she had red lipstick stain on her teeth, and that dream ended right there, okay? I'll go back and go over the elements of that and talk about that in a few minutes, but I'm going to go ahead. That was the main dream, and that was the longest, Okay. Dream number two, and guys, I'm absolutely sure, <laughs> you know, some dreams you're not so sure, but in others you're really sure that, yes, this is from the Lord. It's a message from the Lord. God is uh, speaking to me about something. There's a message in this that I need to understand. This is definitely one of those uh, times that, that absolutely this was from the Lord. I don't doubt it, not one little bit, okay? All of these things and the two visions that he gave me. All are talking about the same thing. Okay. Dream number two. My daughter and I was walking down a city street. And she was looking to buy something. In the dream, I, did, I don't remember. I did know, I'm sure, but that was not pointed out to me in my, in my waking exactly what she was looking for. But she was walking down a city street. I was just with her. She was the one that was looking for something. She went into a store to see if they had it. She re she quickly returned to me from the store and said, I don't have it. So we were going to keep moving. I noticed 
even though we were calling it a store and thought that it was a store, it looked like a church. It had uh, steep steps like churches do. You don't ever see stores like that with, you know, six or seven steps up. You know, you just have to walk up into the store. It looked more like a church front than it did a store. Okay, that was it. That was all of that dream. Dream number three. I was an overseer in a sewing room. And there was many people sewing, but my focus was on one seamstress's work, okay? I saw that she was sewing with a four-thread serger, okay? I sew, so, you know, I understand sewing machines. I have sewn before. I don't sew now too much. But anyway, the fourth needle had more than one thread running through it, and it was all tangled. So it was contaminating the stitch. It was ruining the stitch. And so I walked up as a, the overseer. I walked up and I cut that fourth thread. And I told her, I said, you don't need it. You only need three, three threads. So I cut it and told her to go ahead and sew. And that was it. That was the end of that one. Okay, dream number four. My husband and I was in the hospital. He was in the hospital. I know my husband's in the hospital a lot, but I don't think it has anything at all to do with that. This is all, um, all of everything, all of this is uh, symbolism. That was something else I meant to say. Everything in these dreams are symbolic, okay? My husband was in the hospital. The nurses were working on him, and this thing came into the room and sat down in the middle of the floor. It had long hair in front of his face so that I could not see his face at all. It was as though it didn't have a face as far as I was concerned because I couldn't see it. Okay. It reminded me, if you guys remember that old TV show, I don't know if it was The Monsters or something like that. There was this thing on there called Cousin It. That's, that's what it reminded me of, Cousin It. It came in the room and sat down in the middle of the floor and just sat there. And then it... it uh, it parted its hair vertically like a blind, like you pull a blind open to peek out. And he, he, instead of pulling his hair like this, is what you'd think, he pulled his hair like this vertically, like vertical blinds, and peeked out of his hair at us. It was watching us through a slit in his hair. He was watching us. That was the end of that one. I was just in the dream. I was wondering, what the heck is that thing? And what is it doing in here? Okay, that was the end of that. Now, dream number five. My extended family was in a living room. I don't know who's. I've never seen it before. We were in a living room, and we were talking. And my dad was in there, and uh, my, my stepfather, the one who raised me, He's passed away now, but he was in the dream, and he was in the room, and I don't remember what we were talking about. That wasn't relevant, but my dad got up and left the room and started to go up a flight of stairs. He became weak at the bottom of the stairs. I noticed him, so I went to uh, help him climb that staircase in the house, and he collapsed into my arms, and I yelled, call 911. And uh, and I woke up. That was the end of it, and that was the end of all the dreams. Actually, I'm not sure that was the last dream, but that was the end of that, that dream right there. Okay, so when I did wake up the next morning, 
I was laying in bed trying to figure all this out, all these, all these dreams, trying to remember them and separate them, you know, quickly when I woke up because I knew, I knew it was from the Lord. But while I was doing that, I had another vision. And what I saw was, I'm not even sure what I saw. It looked like, it looked like water and uh, just a calm water is what it looked like. And then over the water, there was an explosion of light, okay? There was an explosion of light. It, it did not look like it affected the water whatsoever. The water or whatever that was, it looked like, it looked like water. But it didn't affect it. It didn't move it. But there was an explosion of light over that. And it spread out like this. Like this. Outward. Okay? And it did not did not move the water at all. Okay. That's it. That's the two visions and that's the five dreams. So I'm going to, you know, if you want to turn it off and think about them yourself for a while, you can or... Go ahead and listen to my interpretation. I'm not going to teach on this. I'm just going to interpret and to give you, conclude it, telling you what I believe is the message from the Lord on this. Okay. All right, the first dream. My daughter represented the bride of Christ. The prince, of course, was Jesus. And he looked like a prince. He looked like royalty. Okay. The dining room is the place of the wedding feast. One thing I do want to mention that I didn't, um, the tables were not set. If you walked into a, a, a dining room that was set up for a wedding reception, then there would be table settings, centerpieces, tablecloths. The tables were just tables with chairs. They were not set. Okay, I just want to mention that. Okay. Another thing that I didn't say, when I was sitting at the table, I remember thinking, it might have been when I was waiting on him and my daughter to return, and I was just sitting there thinking, looking at that huge dining room, and I was like, wow, if this is the dining room, what does the rest of this place look like? Because it was massive. Okay. So, um, so it was a mansion. I was in a mansion, and and uh, and that I believe that represents the wealth, God's kingdom, His kingdom, the wealth and the expansiveness of His kingdom. Okay, I believe that I myself in this dream, I believe I represented the fivefold ministry. I'm almost 100 percent certain. I represented the fivefold ministry. Okay, something else that you know was I. You know, I spent all day long, guys, all day long, meditating, and I have since then. But especially Saturday, oh, I didn't do anything but lay in the presence of the Lord all day Saturday, meditating on this, and at times crying as I would see God's heart through it and in it. I would just weep before the Lord, intercede. You know, but I believe that my, and, and so the reason I said that was during that time I was thinking about my position at the table. I knew that that was important as the fivefold ministry. 
you know, you would think that the prince would set at the would set at the the head of the table, but he set me at the head of the table. The fivefold ministry. He set me at the head of the table as I presented the bride to him. Wow. You know, you know that it scared me. You know that God, the fear of God struck me. That the the that the fivefold ministry, guys, we don't fully understand the the power, the authority, and the responsibility as the fivefold ministry and ministers. And I believe that I'll go ahead and say it. My husband. Who sat on the other side of my daughter? I felt like that. That I knew that that was also that was pointed out to me in the dream. It was important, and I believe that my husband represented. Um, you know, there's lots of ministers and ministries that are not necessarily fivefold ministry. Fivefold, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but they're still important. There's still leadership, and we're all working together to help prepare the, the bride for her groom. And it just it just struck me the weight of that responsibility. Truly, just feeling that that he sat that I sat at the head of the table and he sat to my right. And I know that I'm not above God. I'm not saying that, but God has given the has given just all of His children and even just human beings in general. He gave us so much authority in the earth. But how much the fivefold ministers carry a huge weight of responsibility. Okay? And that really struck me to the core. I thought I already knew it, but it struck me to my core. Okay. Him telling me that the Lord uh, would also give me a husband at the right time, even though I just told I had just talked to him about my natural husband and how the Lord had brought us together and had brought him at the right time in my life. But yet he said that, you know, you know I think that it's, you know, the Lord just, you know, making me to understand that this is, uh, you know, that uh, the spiritual side of this, you know, and of course we know that. Uh, the leadership, the fivefold ministry is a part of the bride, even though we're called to prepare and ready the bride. Amen. That's our job to bring full maturity to the to the saints. Amen. That's our job. Okay. Um, let me see. I don't want to miss anything. Let me look at my notes. We'll see. Uh, he was making sure that I understood that he was talking about a spiritual husband and not a natural husband for my daughter. Okay. Stain. The, the stain on her teeth, I think, represented the stains of the world on the bride of Christ. And I think the broken tooth just means brokenness. Not whole, not ready, not ready. Okay, the second dream where me and my daughter was walking up and down the street and she went in to buy. I think that the store does represent the church and I believe that she was going to buy oil. 
and it all goes into the bride, to, um, the bride being ready for her groom. And, of course, this reminded me of the parable of the ten virgins. That's what it reminded me of. She was out going to buy oil. And she was going into what symbolized a church. And there was no oil to be found. There was no oil in the store, church. And you guys, I know I'm not saying every church. And you know that I'm not saying every single member of the Bride of Christ is not ready. But God is pointing this stuff out. This is not me. This is the Lord. I, I'm just... Now, I'm just reporting what he's saying, okay? This is not me making a judgment. It's him. Okay. No oil. No oil in the churches. Ouch. Okay, we know it's true, but... All right. Number three, I was the overseer in the sewing room. This speaks of the reason the bride... One of the reasons the bride is not ready... What's being sown into her is contaminated. I believe the fourth string represents, the first three strings represents God, truth. And the fourth string represents the world or deception, lies, anything that's not of God, not true, being sown into her. You know, this could also be a play on words. You know, the sower sows the, sows the word. We can find that in Mark chapter 4. The source sows the word. But it's contamination being sown in so that the bride is not ready. Okay. Number four, my husband being in the hospital with that thing. Maybe you guys will get something more out of this. But what I believe that this is, is it, it simply represents the invisible hidden forces that works. The things that we cannot see, the demonic realm. Also, God is pointing that out, that, that the demonic forces is also working against the bride of Christ to keep her from being ready for her groom, being spiritually sick. Spiritually sick. And this is the leaders of the church as well, fivefold ministers, other leaders. Mm-hmm. And we know that's true. The Lord's pointing it out here. Okay, number five. My, when my, fam, my extended family was in the living room and we were talking, and my dad went to go up the stairs again, I think that this is speaking, that the fathers are not healthy and strong enough to ascend their self. Again, it's talking about the leadership is not strong enough to ascend their self. How can leaders help the bride be ready when they are their leaders are part of the bride as well? Should be, supposed to be, better be, right? But when they're not where they need to be, how can they help anybody else be? They're weak. The fathers, the mothers, the spiritual leaders are weak. Okay. Guys, all of this made me very sad. Especially seeing how sad the prince was. He was very sad. He was broken hearted that she was not she was not ready. He was broken hearted in the dream. 
Okay. I did forget to mention the, the vision. And I, the last vision that I had, and I believe that this is God's answer. God presented me with a problem. He presented us with a problem. And then he gave us the fix. And he is the fix. We need revival. I'm sure that that explosion of light is an explosion of God's glory. The Holy Spirit. We need something more. We need an explosion of God's glory. And thank God it's been promised in the Word of God. We've gone over those scriptures many times. I'm not going to today. But the Lord is again saying, look, here's a problem. And I'm going to fix it. If the church, if we could do it ourselves without, you know, we already have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Amen. We wouldn't be where we're at. The church has made tremendous strides. Tremendous strides. Christianity is the the largest uh, religion in the world. Still. It's not the fastest growing right now. It, it is going to be. It is going to be the fastest growing again. Take that onto the bank. It is going to be the fastest growing again when this explosion of light comes a great great outpouring of the Holy Ghost guys we need it we can't do it if we could if we could if we could do everything that we needed to do without this great and doing of power this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit would have been done we've made great strides but God is saying you need something more and it's coming it's coming this reminded me this vision of the body of water and the explosion of light over it reminded me. You know, you know, the water, the Bible refers to water as the word, you know. So I know that the word, maybe the reason it was water, you know, an explosion of the word, an explosion of revelation of the word. We know that that's what it's going to take. A great outpouring of God's spirit and a great revelation Great revelation. Okay. What this what this reminded me of was Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to read that scripture for you. It says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hoovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Amen. God's about to say that again. Let there be light. We know that in the Bible says that great darkness is coming, but the glory of God, great light is also coming. And the sons and the daughters are going to shine like the sun. We're going to shine like the stars. The bride is going to be ready. God, the bride is going to be ready. We're not ready yet. We're not ready. <laughs> We're not ready, but we are going to be. God has a plan. Praise God. I want to go over this one more time. I'm going to recap it quickly. Okay? The Lord is telling me that it's getting very close to the time for the for his son to come to take his bride as a whole, all of us. But we're not ready. She's not ready for her groom. 
Okay, she has contamination in her. What is being sown in, in her is not pure. She is broken. She is staying with the world. She is sick. She has no God life. That blood, the blood, I don't really know if I talked about it, that vision was, you know, I don't think I did. Let me throw that right, right, throw that in there real quick. You know, the, the artery, the cut artery, life, uh, life is in the blood. No God life. That, so God was showing me a problem. You know, there's no God life. You know, and I believe that, that maybe that's also talking about people who, who are going to be saved. They are going to be born again, but guys, they have not been yet. The whole number is not in. Don't listen to people who says it is. It's not. It's not. The whole number is not in. More people are going to be saved. I promise you, more people are going to come in to the kingdom. The full number is not in yet. And even those that are in are not mature. They're not ready to be a bri anybody's bride. They're still spiritual babies. They're not ready to be a bride. They're still spiritual babies. Okay. She's sick. She has no God life. She's looking for oil, but not finding it. She's looking for oil, but it's not in the churches. She's not finding it. Oh, Lord. And it's supposed to be the, the fivefold ministers that supply and plenty of oil in the churches. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. He is going to. Okay. Even the fathers, the leaders are too weak to ascend. There is going to be an explosion of the Holy Spirit light to fix the problem. Without this, it will not happen. Okay, that was my recapping. And that is my conclusion of this message from the Lord. Some people are going to like it, what I'm going to say. We shouldn't be nearly as worried about the coming of the Christ right this moment as we are about making sure that the bride is ready. We need to be making sure the bride is ready for the coming. She's not ready. That's what the Lord is saying. She's not ready. She's not ready. You have work to do, church. We're responsible. We are responsible. We have work to do. She's not ready yet. And he's not going to come till she is. So unless, instead of sitting around listening to date setters and trying to figure out the exact day, why aren't we about the Father's business? If you want him to come back, then let's, let's, get, the job, let's get the job done. Let's pray for revival because we can't do it without that. We cannot do it without revival, without an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Without that explosion of power, it's coming. As sure as it came on the day of Pentecost. And, and the Bible talked about times it came later. They would continue to get those explosions of power. We need a mass explosion of power. And God's saying that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We need to pray for it. We need to be ready for it. We need to be ready to do what God shows us to do. In the time and be patient, wait on the timing of the Lord, have his mind, have his heart. Right now, the heart of Jesus is that the bride is not ready. That's his heart. He showed me his heart. It's that the bride is not ready yet. 
So we have work to do. And a major part of that work needs to be praying for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Because without it, we can't do it. But with it, all things are possible, and it will be done. Well, guys, I love you, and I'm praying for you. I have um, more, some more visions, some more dreams that I'm still seeking God over and digging through the Word because I want to, under, you know, I want to be able to understand them. Um, I, I want to have the full message of what God is saying. Uh, before I present them, but you guys just pray for me, and I'll continue to pray for you, and let's pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Yesterday's prophecies, today's headlines. This is the Hal Lindsey Report. Now, Hal Lindsey. Good evening and welcome to this edition of the Hal Lindsey Report. Last Monday night, the P5 plus one nations and Iran blew through another deadline in their negotiations to make a deal limiting Iran's ability to create nuclear weapons. But Tuesday morning, the parties announced that a formal agreement had been reached. Because of our production schedule, I'm not able to fully discuss the final terms of the pact on this program, but I will talk about the specifics of it on a future edition. Reports are that the final agreement is more than 80 pages long, and while it supposedly threatens punishment if Iran doesn't adhere to the terms of the agreement, few are taking those provisions seriously. But there is a history here that you need to be aware of as we wait the debate that will occur in the Congress over the next 60 days. P5 refers to the five permanent members of the UN Security Council, China, France, Russia, the United Kingdom, and the United States. The plus one refers to Germany. The group was formed in 2006 expressly to deal with Iran's nuclear ambitions. They added Germany because of history as a trading partner with Iran. The present round of talks began in February of 2013. In November of that year, the nations made an interim agreement. Iran was to freeze its nuclear program for six months in exchange for decreased economic sanctions. In that agreement, Iran not only received sanction relief, but something even more precious. Time. The prospect of an agreement held off any possibility of an attack on the nuclear infrastructure by Israel or the United States, and it's been working like a charm for them ever since. Those six months have now turned into 17 months. This was the fourth deadline set and passed just since June 30th, a little more than two weeks ago. There were a series of breach deadlines before that. When the interim agreement was announced, President Obama emphasized that it was to last only six months. What harm could it do to give process six months? If Iran had really frozen a nuclear program as it promised, the delays might not be so bad. But the truth is, they never froze it. As recently as last month, 
Iranian agents were known to be seeking atomic weapons and ballistic missile technology. Where? In Germany. That's according to German intelligence sources. One of the German agents said, you would think that with the negotiations, activities would drop, despite the talks to end Iran's program. Iran did not make an about turn. The Weekly Standard, which broke the story, wrote Iran's procurement continues apace, if not faster than before the joint plan of action was signed in November 2013. But fear of potentially embarrassing negotiators and derailing negotiations has made some states reluctant to report Tehran's illegal efforts. If these countries have hesitated to expose Iran during the negotiations, it is more likely they will refrain from reporting after a deal is struck. For the Weekly Standard, that raised an even more important issue. The question is not whether Iran can be trusted to uphold nuclear deal now being negotiated in Vienna. It can't. But whether the Obama administration and its P5 plus 1 partners can be trusted to punish Iran when it violates the agreement. Over and over, negotiations seem to come close to an agreement, then fall apart. That's because Iran constantly reneged on promises made in previous negotiating sessions. Think about that for a moment. If Iran can't be trusted from one session to the next, what makes anyone think they can be trusted to keep their word on the final deal once it's made? Though politicians tend to shade things in their own favor, it would have been too risky for President Obama and Secretary Kerry to have simply lied when they announced the framework deal in April. Yet the Iranians have spent much of the time since then saying that they never really agreed to any key points of the interim agreement as described by Obama and Kerry. If the President and the Secretary of State were even close to telling the truth about that interim agreement, then the lies Iran has told since then prove once again that Iran is an unreliable negotiating partner. That should be a huge red flag, but the U.S. continues to ignore it. Even the Iranians seemed surprised that they got away with it, so they asked for more. What did they have to lose? First, Iran said sanctions had to be lifted immediately when the agreement was signed, not when it had been fulfilled. That's absurd. It can't work that way, and the president promised that it wouldn't. But then he started hinting that maybe we could make such a provision. Emboldened by that gambit, the Iranians said there could be no surprise inspections. We're the nation of trust but verify, yet the administration gave hints that it could capitulate on this as well. Rumor has it that any inspection requested will now be managed inspections. In other words, after an inspection is requested, Iran will negotiate the perimeters of that inspection. In the meantime, they'll be shuttling the offending equipment off to another site or hiding it. Iran then demanded that the UN arms embargo be lifted as part of the deal. 
But the arms embargo was put in place as a result of Iran being the number one exporter of terrorism in the world. It's not a nuclear arms embargo, but an embargo of conventional arms. By the way, under the seemingly moderate president, Hassan Rouhani, Iran's reputation as the world's leading exporter of terrorism has grown far worse. They armed the Houthis in Yemen, who overthrew the U.S.-backed government there, and basically made Yemen a launching pad for Iranian, ISIS, and al-Qaeda terror the world over. They have propped up the man that American policy says has to go, Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. They armed the Lebanese terror organization, Hezbollah, a group with thousands of missiles on the border aimed at Israel right now. Those missiles, of course, were provided by Iran. They provide weapons to Hamas in Gaza, as well as other terror groups around the world. That's why there's an arms embargo. It's not about nuclear weapons, but terrorist weapons. And they will do all of that with an arms embargo in place and without the big oil money they will receive when sanctions are lifted. Some analysts estimate that more than $100 billion in frozen assets will eventually be released to Iran. At first, Iran seemed to be negotiating the deal as a stalling tactic. But when they learned that the American administration was putty in their hands, they started asking for more and more. I'm not sure they ever expected a successful completion to the negotiations. I just think they just wanted to stall off an attack from Israel, but they seem to have succeeded both in delaying an attack and in negotiating a deal favorable to themselves on all points. Former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations John Bolton was asked by Fox News anchor Eric Sean which concession worried him the most. Bolton replied, the most important concession from which really all others flow is allowing Iran to have any uranium enrichment capability whatsoever. That is a sign that Iran has not made a strategic decision to give up nuclear weapons. Quite the contrary. It's a sign that they are determined to have them. The Obama administration leaked some months ago that when Iran simply said that we won't deal unless we can have uranium enrichment, they accepted it. That was the beginning of the slide downhill. And it's just been one mistake after another since. Bolton also pointed out that, unbelievably, the United States position is even weaker than the United Nations position on the issue. In fact, the Security Council has passed six resolutions demanding that Iran dismantle its nuclear enrichment program. Ambassador Bolton observed that when P5 plus one nation signed this deal with Iran, they will be in violation of all six of those UN resolutions each of which they initially voted for. So they all caved too. It's no wonder that Ambassador Bolton had previously said P5 
President Obama is engaging in what I believe is the greatest display of appeasement from a president in history. Here's another grotesque note in this litany of bizarre developments. On Sunday, July 10th, on the eve of signing a deal declaring that it has no intention of developing a nuclear weapon, Iran celebrated Death to Israel Day. Most nations seeking to present themselves to the world as peaceful would have decided to hold off on that observance until after the deal was signed. But Iran seems determined to not only actually destroy Israel, for which it will need a nuclear weapon, but to rub America's nose in it at the same time. And we have apparently decided to allow them to do just that. As I prepared for this week's program, I was again struck by the speed with which events are moving into the scenario the prophets predicted for the end times. I believe we're there. People on the street are talking about what all of these things mean. Folks that wouldn't darken the door of a church or pick up a, a Bible are now very curious. This may be our greatest opportunity maybe even our last opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ before we're silenced by political correctness. The message that God has given me is more important now than it's ever been for the church and for the nation. That's why I'm asking you to help me to expand our reach. To support this program, send your tax-deductible gift to Hal Lindsey Media Ministries, P.O. Box 470-470, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74147. You can also support this ministry online.